Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. For two years, former FBI Director Robert Mueller, acting as a Justice Department special prosecutor, conducted an investigation to determine, quote, whether individuals associated with the Trump campaign are winning of and or coordinating activities with the government of Russia related to the 2016 presidential election. Despite breathless media speculation about the inevitable forthcoming proof of a Russian collusion, none arrived. Joining me today is my Capital Research Center colleague, Ken Braun, to discuss his work collecting and digging through the many key players, breathless speculators, and the clueless G-men for CRC's Trump-Russia collusion hoax archive. We will discuss the background of the archive, some of the highlights of it, and some takeaways about the Russia investigation and what it tells us about federal law enforcement. Thanks for joining us again, Ken. Uh, First, for the fortunate few who might have spent the last four years under a rock, could you give us the story and brief of the supposed Russia collusion and the investigations that found that it didn't exist? Sure. Um, So sometime in the summer 2016, the FBI gets a tip that a couple of different directions making them believe that the the future President Trump, then-candidate Trump himself, or people in his campaign may have been colluding with either directly Russian intelligence assets or actors within Russia close to Vladimir Putin, um, the, the exact outlines of what they were chasing and who they were chasing, um, at least on the Russian side, shifted pretty considerably all through it. Um, but the, the substance of the concerns were twofold. One was the... Um, somewhat infamous and now completely discredited Steele dossier, which um, was a collection of memos created by a um, this, former... is, this is the, this is the salacious document that was put out that was generated by a democratic opposition research firm and then published by BuzzFeed shortly before Trump took office. Correct. A, the, the, the uh, fusion GPS was the, uh, the research firm that paid for the dossier and fusion GPS was in turn paid by the democratic national committee and the Clinton campaign through a law firm, um, uh, to, to basically do what would be considered pretty standard opposition research on the, on the other candidate, which every, every major, um, campaign does, uh, every major campaign doesn't, start inadvertently talking to Russian sources to get that opposition research, which is what the Steele dossier ultimately turned out to be. That's one of the ironies of the of the entire uh, collusion story is that the allegation that the Trump campaign was colluding with the Russians was completely unfounded. They never found that evidence. But it, it is absolutely true that um, through a circuitous group of investigators and payments, the the Clinton and the Dem- campaign and the Democratic National Committee ended up paying um, for Russian information. And and, and, um, and and my understanding is that I was either Steele himself or somebody else at Fusion was working for the same sleazy Russian billionaire who had also worked with former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's there's that that little um, wrinkle in, in the story as well. Uh, you know, when you start talking, if you're looking for, if, if you're going down the rabbit hole to find out if your opponent is colluding with the Russians, you're going to end up talking to a bunch of, you know, inevitably going to be talking to sources that have you know, maybe not the most reputable and uh, with the purest of motives. And, you know, it, it's going to get messy. And indeed it did. Um, so anyway, the Steele dossier ended up becoming the the 
entire basis, or the, the most important basis, I should say, is what the, uh, the FBI Inspector General discovered for the Counterintelligence uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant uh, the court gave to surveil Carter Page, a, a Trump foreign policy advisor, who they never found anything on Carter Page. Uh, Carter Page. Well, it, was, it was it was worse. Than, my my understanding of the IG report is it was worse than that. Is that they not only did they not find anything on him, the yes, the, I think it was the CIA said that actually in the past he had worked for us. That's that's what I was going to get to. Yeah, they found considerable exculpatory information to in, in to the effect that Carter Page had willingly helped the CIA keep eyes on what the Russians were doing. And in that ended up um, getting uh, reversed in a memo from he is a source for us to he is not a source. Uh, effectively, right. This is this F- is this is Kevin Kleinsmith, the Kevin Kleinsmith, the, the FBI, the FBI officer who had to plead guilty to false to making false statements. Correct. I mean, effectively, the FBI was at that point lying to the FISA court to get this really sensitive surveillance warrant against a Trump campaign associate who had done nothing wrong and was, in fact, from all accounts now, it appears, helping the CIA do its business, uh, keeping an eye on the Russians. Right, and and again, I'm no no fan of Carter Page's stated foreign policy views, which are, you know, in favor of alignment with Russian interests, but having dumb foreign policy views isn't a federal crime. If it was, we'd have to lock up about two-thirds of Congress. True, and so Carter Page... um, Carter Page was surveilled in this most sensitive manner because the FBI was using this completely cooked up steel dossier to, to uh, as the pretext for these warrants, effectively, you know, I, I seriously misleading the FISA court, if not outright lying to them. Mm. And the in the end, the FBI's investigator or inspector general rather. Uh, found, I believe it was 17 significant errors or omissions in those FISA warrants. Right, because many of them sourced and, and to the steel And just to, as a, as a, to, to explain why those omissions matter, the way that the, if, if a FISA warrant has gotten against you, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you don't have a representative before the court arguing your interests. Right. It's just the government presenting its case to a judge. And the way that the, that the statute is written or the way that the legal procedure has developed, the government is supposed to include comprehensively not only the evidence supporting the government's case, but also any significant exculpatory evidence because it's a substantial invasion of your privacy, obviously, to be listened to, to have your, your calls monitored by the federal government. And yes, and, and, and as you noted, uh, obviously, because it's a counterintelligence investigation, and you don't want to know that your sub, you don't want your subject to know that you're about to spy on him. The law is written in such a way that the government has to kind of play both sides and 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 tell the court, yeah, well, you know, we 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 believe he's bad because of X, Y, and Z, but we also know A, B, and yeah, C but about but him. His, but he, if he were here, his defense attorney would say A, B, and C. A, B, a, B and C, and in fact, you know. The, as it turns out, substantially more than that. But the government in this case didn't give us A, B, and C. He's a CIA source. We, you know, we have a, and they also had a a, a uh, confidential source that was speaking with him and reporting back to the FBI who was 
reporting exculpatory information right. as well. They basically got nothing out of um, you know almost a year of these FISA warrants on Carter Page. All they were doing was constantly dredging up more and more exculpatory information. And on the other side, as they were looking deeper into the Steele dossier, they were finding that that too was more and more flawed. Also information they did not pass along to the FISA court. So mm -hmm. the, the first prong of the investigation of the Trump-Russia collusion story, the, 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 yeah, the, the crossfire hurricane investigation is what the FBI named it. Yeah, was, that was the... Yeah, that, that's the... Uh, the the name the, they assigned the, yeah, to the, it. Yeah, the, the operation name. Right. So the first leg that Crossfire Hurricane is standing on, the Steele dossier, was, a, was you know, the, the disaster we just discussed. The other leg of it was, um, and what, let, what they say led them to open up the investigation, uh, was a conversation taking place between a, um, a uh, Maltese professor named Joseph Mifsud and... Carter Pay or um, um, is that Papadopoulos? George Papadopoulos. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Another another foreign policy advisor to the Trump campaign named George Papadopoulos. The discussion in this case was that, and, and this was relayed from Mifsud to a an Australian diplomat who then sent it over to the FBI. It was a, and everybody disputes exactly what the conversation was about, but it boils down to something vaguely the Russians have information about Hillary Clinton's emails mm -hmm. or that something will be revealed about her emails. Mm -hmm. And so then when WikiLeaks, when WikiLeaks, which the government suspects is a cutout for, among other nefarious, op nefarious operations, Russian intelligence starts dropping the, the, the leaked DNC emails the, then. The Australian diplomat dude calls up the FBI and says, hey, I I had this awkward conversation a couple months ago. Right. And so this met the minimum, as the inspector general's report found, the minimum standard for opening up a counterintelligence investigation, mostly because the standards are really low. And to give you an idea of what, you know, the, the Hillary Clinton obviously... Um, had many email problems during the campaign. Uh, nobody was expecting the emails. It, the conversation at the time, if you right, back up, right, would have been about, would have been about her homebrew email server and her right in the her... trouble she was having with her State Department emails. And right. as it turned out, the emails that were released weren't Hillary Clinton's emails. No, they, they weren't. Were they were not Podesta's this. They were not emails. the State Department emails. They were the DNC's. They were John Podesta's because yeah. he got spearfished and right. So one of the best um, analyses of what happened here was done by Matt Taibbi, a, a left left wing yeah left wing to radical left journalist right who was at the time writing for Rolling Stone, and he pointed out uh, that what what we had here was a was a kind of really sad game of telephone where the story changed from teller to teller and who knows what emails or what 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 level of rumor versus truth was going on when this thing started. But by the time it got to the FBI and in the context of them looking at the latest news of the WikiLeaks emails and how explosive those were, retroactively put rumors and facts and, you know, whatever. Right. Our, the, 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 human brain wants, the human brain wants nothing more than everything to be systematized and logical and patterned and aha. Yep. <laughs> so as a result of that, they open up the counterintelligence investigation. 
looking at George Papadopoulos um, and, and anyone associated with him, really never found anything on Papadopoulos either. What he, he did end up... Um, yeah, he had, he had to plead to making false statements, I think it was. Right, he pled to making false statements about... Uh, um, I forgot exactly what the... It, it wasn't involving the Russia connection. Yeah, some, some, some technical process crime that didn't yes. ultimately, you know... It wasn't like he was a technical process crime that he then, you know, rolled and became the, you know, like in a mob movie, the the the, yeah. the Fed stool pigeon who who unveils the whole scheme. <laughs> yeah, Papadopoulos, uh, and, and you know, Papadopoulos was a, you know, still to some degree is a rather young man. He was in his mid twenties. He was being, you know, at this point, <laughs> the the evidence that was uncovered by the FBI and the Inspector General. All points in one direction. Papadopoulos really didn't tell this alleged, whatever the discussion was about the emails, Papadopoulos didn't find it so, you know, explosive that he tried to push it on a bunch of people um, in the Trump campaign. The only person he says he spoke to was a um, a Greek diplomat. Papadopoulos is a, is Greek American. Mm -hmm. um, could be a friend. I mean, it, an acquaintance, yeah. whatever. It was, you know, oh, I heard this interesting thing. I, who knows what the conversation was? As I said, the the finding was that this opened up a a you know, this is what opened up the investigation, and it's this very low pretext. And then it all got amplified when they get a hold of the Steele dossier. And as you said, the human brain wants to find a pattern. So they're mixing all of these rumors upon rumors upon, you know, pieces of a fact here. And this rumor we put in it, you know, it, it turned into this massive investigation of a of a uh, presidential campaign, a, you know, possibly the most serious um, I mean, it, it's... counterintelligence investigation of a political nature ever done in American history. Yeah, no, it's and it's, the, you know, these... it. You know, Watergate was all about, you know, placing wiretaps in the Democratic National Committee headquarters. LBJ was infamous for some of the things he did in his time. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, certainly um, an, an unpleasant history with uh, electronic surveillance of, of major political figures. Uh, so that brings us now to the the hoax archive that you are are compiling or have compiled um well we've got the the big uh the 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 big archive we, we've got two 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 pieces of work we um have developed for this first for influence watch we have a very large profile at, at influencewatch.org yes, very large very large comprehensive if you want everything that it took us 15 minutes to get through yeah uh, in paper <laughs> That's where, or I guess in digital, in digital bits, that's where it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, and, and more than that, I mean, the, the, the folks that, you know, more, more the individual players at the FBI and the CIA and, and in the media and in, in the political world who, who amplified this either wittingly or un, you know, because they should have known better or in the case of the media and the political figures, because they were believing you know, the FBI yeah, who should have right. known better. Um, it's, it's as best we could do the entire, the entire story and all of its moving parts and all of its ugly, gory details, you know, sorted out mm. in our typical Wikipedia style, uh, um, you know, searchable, uh, databases there. Um, so that's out there. And at Capital Research Center, we have um, an archive of and a growing list of the 200 people who 
um, most are, you know, we, we, we've judged most responsible for, for creating and amplifying this, this, uh, this um, misinformation, mm. to put it, to put it pleasantly, that was perpetrated on the American people. Um, so it's, it's a quick bio of, you know, of one paragraph bio of all of all of all 200 folks that we're slowly uh, editing and releasing as we put it out there with the uh, the hyperlinks telling you where to go to find more information about these folks and what mm. their what their role is in in perpetuating this story. And you also had some some articles on on our on our blog post. Now you had one about uh, one I think last week about the people who tried to do good? <laughs> yes, I put out, so I was called the heroes of the hoax. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 and I, and I'm put, I, I'm pretty much teasing the, the influence watch archive, the, this, the component parts of it in these blog posts once a week. Um, the heroes of the hoax one in particular, I, I, you know, I give like a gold, silver and bronze medal award to each of the folks that are, or in just in, in organizations that deserve credit for doing the right thing in this case. Um, and so the gold medal I gave to, um, names escaping me right now, but he was the one guy at the FBI who was, I have, I have, I have, it, I have it pulled up, uh, deputy assistant attorney general, Stu Evans, Stu Evans, Stu Evans, um, is though, is kind of the one great man theory of history in this case, unfortunately, the great man didn't get listened to who could have changed everything. Uh, Stu Evans raised repeated questions about geez where who's paying these guys for this steel dossier was this is this information really seriously real or should we should you know he was constantly trying to get in between peter struck the guy leading the counterintelligence investigation and the fisa court and to try and stop you know to tr at least slow down and yeah ask to, 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 to be that devil's advocate to be that right. if his lawyer were here he's what he would say yes and and doing you know being objective doing everything you would hope with all of the immense power federal law enforcement has to destroy someone's life you really want to make sure that you've got the goods on the person before you really start chasing them like this and uh and yeah Stu Evans did tried to be that man and and the the and invest uh, the FBI um inspector general's report really makes him out to be the 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 hero that could have stopped it all if they mm -hmm. just listened the, the to guy, the guy who the guy who tried to warn you the guy who tried yep. to and then i see you gave yeah, the silver yeah and then i see you gave the silver to the oig the the department of justice uh, of course, inspector the, general right the only the only person the only entity in the uh, the department of justice uh you know the fbi has just terrible um you know, the, the, the counterintelligence division looks absolutely horrible in the situation. Um, Director Comey, if you saw his testimony last week, is either just as bad or the most clueless person, you know, that, that that's ever run the FBI. I mean, I mean what's, what's, what's amazing is for all the work that Comey did trying to cover his butt in 2016, he ended up like whatever the opposite of covering your butt is. Oh yeah, and and if you watched his testimony in the Senate last week, it 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 was hard to discern that the man had ever run the FBI from the number of times he didn't recall and didn't remember and, and didn't wasn't involved in that. That was somebody else's job. Um, I, J. Edgar Hoover, for all of his sins, would not have made these mistakes. So um, J. Edgar knew everything going on at the FBI. <laughs>
J. Edgar was personally responsible for all of the misconduct yes, of his yes. G-men. Right, yes. They, definitely they could recall. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, the, the Inspector General, however, um, is the, that office did remarkable work. I, and, and, that's, and that's its job. The, uh, the idea of the Inspector Generals is to be the internal ombudsman looking for waste, fraud, and abuse in the executive departments. Right, and I and I think um, were it not for the fact that they figured, you know, we, we need to be timely and get this report out from the number of things they uncovered from the 17 mistakes in the Carter Page um, FISA warrants through, you know, all of the horrible thing, you know, misstatements and exaggerations in the Steele dossier. I think the Inspector General would still be digging if they if they were given a mandate to if, do if so. If they if they had an if they had an open Correct. An open time frame. Yeah, I, I don't know that they even had the time to find all of the stuff that they could have. So yeah, that's the that's the silver medal award winner because they are the one uh, federal investigative agency that did their job and did it really well, as far as we can tell. Um, and then the third one, uh, the bronze medal, I gave to uh, three left-leaning journalists: the aforementioned Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald at the Intercept, and another gentleman named Aaron Mate, who writes for um, Real Clear Investigations, has written for The Nation. Um, he's uh, more or less a freelance writer, as far as I can mm -hmm. uh, follow his career. Uh, um, Taibbi also has written career Real Clear Investigations on on this issue. Um, mm -hmm. These guys obviously have no love lost for the Trump 2016 campaign or or the the you know the Trump administration right. and, and a lot of, and, a, and a lot of them I know in the case of Greenwald and Mate uh, their foreign policy views are extraordinarily non-interventionist occasionally mm -hmm. you know really skeptical I mean Greenwald was a was the key, key collaborator with uh, with Edward Snowden, Snowden. in his yep. uh, in his collection of uh, and disclosure of classified NSA documents several years ago, you know the, these are not friends of the American defense and national security establishment. I don't want to. I'm somewhat familiar with all of their work, and I, I, I'm not going to swear to it, but I suspect all three of them. Although Greenwald is now living in Brazil, I'm not sure that he's even participating in American elections, but all three of them are, I would suspect, very strong Bernie Sanders left, yeah, left of the most left they're, wing they're, of the Democratic Party, if not even in the Democratic they're, Party. They're left, partisan. they're le they're capital L left guys. <laughs> right. They, are, they, they don't, you know, they're, they're severe critics of capitalism and, and, um, and what I, what I, you know, I, I think I may have used the phrase in the, in the, in the essay, um, kind of honest left though because mm. they didn't didn't look at this and say well you know of course it's trump yeah ob obviously trump is a bad guy obviously trump is a bad guy so uh, who believes bad things therefore everything bad about him that they say is true <laughs> right unlike the you know unlike say unlike media. say Neera Tanden or msnbc or cnn or so on and so yeah. forth yeah, I mean, and they went and or or the New York Times and the Washington Post, who who um, actually rated several entries who won uh, a, each who in the won a, who, won a, who won a Pulitzer for being wrong, not for the first time. Yes, together they won a Pulitzer for it, and both of them feature prominently in Glenn Greenwald's um, ten ten worst media boxes or something of that nature of the uh, of the Trump Russia story um, because of. 
the uh, you know the the errors that they made. But anyway, these three journalists all did early and and critically and critical work on the story and asked the questions that the mainstream media should have been asking hmm. um, and exposed, you know, the, and, the, and, that, and that ultimately the inspector general did ask and found, mm-hmm. found the, the answers to. Exactly. And, and so they, they, and I've used in, in this, in, in the, in the, in a lot of this work, I have, um, we, we, we've cited their work. Uh, you know, they, 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 unfortunately, we can't say we can't use the mainstream media's uh, doing its job as as skeptics because really they didn't. But these three mm-hmm. guys and and a, and a few others. I mean, there are some. I I singled them out. But certainly, there are a number of figures in the right leaning media. I could have put in there too. Who, who right, who were but the but, but the on. but the idea that men on that. I mean, they're they're all all three of them were male, but you know. Assume these three guys on the Capitol L left mm-hmm. when they could have like, like an Tandon, like a Rachel Maddow, like a uh, any number of of figures, you know, gone, run off the deep end for partisan political gain, decided not to. Yeah, it takes it takes a, it, whichever direction you're traversing across to you know, figuratively speaking, shoot down and shoot on your fire on your own team. Um, it takes a, a special degree of, of critical thinking and of objectivity, intellectual and honesty, intellectual honesty, and all those things. And um, and these three guys did a terrific job of it, and um, and really, you know, that that helped. Not to the extent that Stu Evans did, but in their own way, tried to slow this thing down early on. And mm-hmm. if they had been listened to by some of the people that are on the left of center rather than Rachel Maddow and the New York Times and the Washington Post. Ben Smith, Ben Smith and a BuzzFeed now of the New York Times who published, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who published the steel dossier to the public. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if these three guys had been listened to by some folks that are, you know, closer to their ideological spectrum, that too may have slowed this down. But, hmm. um, but, uh, you know, so anyway, those, those three entities or, or, uh, or individual, you know, the, the left, the left leaning, the, 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 the left wing media, the inspector general and, um, individually Stu Evans. Well, that is a, that is fascinating. Ken, uh, thank you so very much for joining us. You, uh, you listeners can review his Trump Russia archive at capitalresearch.org and also read his, uh, his article uh, on the uh, the gold, silver, and bronze medalists for trying to get it right uh, at capitalresearch.org, and also, of course, the Influence Watch profile on the Trump-Russia collusion claims at influencewatch.org. Uh, that's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.